So if you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 17. And if you're using one of the black Bibles in the rack in front of you, I think it's page 930. Luke chapter 17 or 930. I wonder if any of you have ever heard the phrase wonder drug before. You ever heard that uh, used of uh, different drugs or promises of drugs or, or medical innovations that may change people's lives? Uh, the, the, the term or the phrase was first used in the 1930s. Uh, when the sulfa drugs were discovered. And uh, you may or may not know much about the sulfa drugs, but before uh, those became uh, widely used, when people would have an infection, that infection was often fatal. Uh, you could have even a minor, <coughs> a, pardon me, a minor infection that could lead to the end of your life as it just began to spread through your body. This was, uh, of course, before the uh, widespread use of antibiotics, and there just was little that doctors could do until the discovery of these sulfa drugs. And so they coined the phrase wonder drug to refer to these because they would just treat all kinds of ailments. Uh, it could be a, uh, uh, an infection you know, on the outside of your body, an infection because of a wound, or, or, or it could be an infection inside your body, and, and, and either way it could uh, be treated with these sulfa drugs, and it literally saved people's lives, changed people's lives, really changed the face of, of, uh, of, of life and, and medical treatments uh, on the earth. In fact, in World War II, soldiers would have in their backpack sulfa powder so that they could treat wounds uh, even in the midst of the battle. It saved millions of people. Uh, well, while we don't use sulfa drugs anymore, or I don't think we do, we, we might, I don't know a lot about that, but uh, I want to show you the, the spiritual equip, equivalent of a wonder drug today. I want to show you that there is a spiritual um, uh, practice that can have the same impact, that can, that can have the same kind of effect on a person's life, it can literally be a life-changing, life-altering thing if we could learn to embrace it. I want to show you a spiritual wonder drug this morning. And so while we're going to learn about it from Luke chapter 17, I want to show you a verse on the screen this morning as we begin that really just states to us what this wonder drug is, and then we'll learn a little bit about it from Luke 17. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now just look at that verse a moment. It's a very simple verse. First of all, there's a command, give thanks, give thanks. That's the command, a simple thing, give thanks. And when should we give thanks according to this verse? We should give thanks in everything. Or your Bible might say, in all circumstances. When good things happen, we ought to give thanks. When difficult things happen, we ought to give thanks. When life is easy, when life is hard, when our family is going well, and when people in our family are suffering, in all circumstances, we are to give <clears throat> thanks. Now, then it gives us the reason we should give thanks. Give thanks in everything. Why? For this is the will of God. What's God's will for your life? What does God want you to do? It starts with this. We must be people who give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances, in everything, for, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I know when you hear that, you're thinking, okay, pastor, I've got this one down. 
I mean, this is easy. I'm a thankful person. I'm always giving thanks. This is something I can just pack up my stuff and go home this morning because I've already mastered this. I give thanks. But what I want to show you this morning is that most of us in here are not thankful people. We think we're thankful. We claim to be thankful. If I asked you if you were thankful, you'd raise your hand and uh, lie to all the people around you (laughs) that you're a thankful person. But the truth is, according to a biblical definition, we don't give thanks. We are not thankful people and we don't benefit from this spiritual wonder drug of giving thanks. And so let me show you why that is in Luke chapter 17. This is one of my very favorite passages in all of the Gospels. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. Uh, Here we see an account in Jesus' life, an event in Jesus' life where he encounters some people who are struggling because uh, of of a terrible disease that they were uh, that that they possessed. Verse 11 says, while traveling to Jerusalem. He passed between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So so let's see if we can just set the scene. So Jesus is traveling, and then all of a sudden there are these ten men, and they have this dreaded disease called leprosy. Now, leprosy was a disease for which there was no cure. It was a terrible, debilitating disease because uh, through this disease, you would begin to lose your fingers and your toes. Uh, you would lose your, your, your nose and even your tongue. It was difficult in the advanced stages of leprosy for someone even to speak because you would lose feelings in these extremities. And, and, and because of that, you would, you would damage them, you would injure them, and you would have infection in them, and it would just run rampant. And, and, and ultimately, with leprosy, you would die. So it was a terrible, physically debilitating disease, a hopeless disease. But more than that, it was a disease that separated you from society. If you had leprosy, you were banned from being near your family. And so you, you would have to leave your family, leave your kids, leave your spouse. You might be able to see them at a distance from time to time as perhaps you would stand on a hill and overlook and see your family doing something, but you'd never again be able to be close to your family, never be able to hug your kids, never be able to have a conversation with your spouse. It separated you from families. It really separated you from uh, from, from spiritual life, you could no longer go, go to the temple, and it would separate you just from society. When people had leprosy, as they would occasionally walk down the street to get somewhere, they would have to hold a rag over their face so that people might not be uh, infected with this leprosy, and they would have to cry out best they could, unclean, unclean, so that people could scatter when they came. It was a terrible disease no matter how you measured it. And so these, these lepers would group together. The only comfort they would have would be from other lepers. And so these 10 lepers had sort of formed a little family and they were looking for Jesus and they intercepted him as he was traveling from one city to the next. And so they stand at a distance and they say what you would have said, what I would have said, Jesus, please have mercy on us. They were asking Jesus to heal them. But notice what happens, verse 14. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. 
And so Jesus just gives them a simple instruction. He says, go to the priest. In those days, if you had leprosy or you didn't have leprosy, that was determined by the priest. In fact, there are rules in the Old Testament that if you got a spot on the back of your hand and you were suspicious of that spot, you'd go and show it to the priest. Now, we don't do that anymore. You got a spot on the back of your hand, I don't want to see it, right? But uh, in those days, you would go and show it to the priest and he would determine whether you had leprosy or not. And so if you did have leprosy, if you were ever going to be declared free of leprosy, you'd have to go back to the priest. He would look at your skin and say that you were free of leprosy. And so, and so Jesus heals these 10 men, tells them to go to the priest so that they can be uh, welcomed back into society. They can be declared free and, and healed of leprosy. And, uh, and off they go. Verse 15. But one of them, there were 10 men healed of leprosy, but one of them seeing that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. And he fell face down at his feet, at Jesus' feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. And so nine go about their business, excited that they had been healed. One, as soon as he realizes that his skin had, had experienced this transformation, that he had health in his skin again, that his leprosy was gone, he turns around, goes back to Jesus, and he thanks him for this great miracle. Verse 17 says, then Jesus said, we're not 10 cleansed. So Jesus has questions for this man who's returned. We're not 10 cleansed. He said, didn't I heal 10? Cleansed means healed here because uh, the disease was, uh, uh, w w was considered something that made you unclean. And so to be cleansed would be to be healed. So he says, did I not heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him. So Jesus is talking to this one man who has returned. He says, get up and go on your way for your faith has saved you. I think this is one of the most, one of the most amazing stories, can be one of the most life-changing events that we can study in all the New Testament. Let's, uh, uh, let, let, let's walk our way through it. There are two groups of men. After the healing, there are two groups of men. One group has nine men in it. The other group, small group, just has one man. All right, we're on the same page. There's the group of nine, and then there's the one man. Now, the group of nine, when they're healed, they go off and they just can't wait to see their families. And that's not a bad thing. They can't, they can't wait to, to hug their children. They can't wait to be a part of society again. And so off they go. One man, though, turns to go back to Jesus and give thanks. Now, in a moment, we're going to talk about some principles that we can learn from this. But before we get there, I don't want us to miss the main point of the story. The gratitude of the one man, the gratitude of the one man who turned and went back and gave thanks, made the healing permanent. The ingratitude of the nine men who did not turn and give thanks made their healing temporary. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. So the nine men who had been healed of leprosy, how long did their healing last? Do you know? Now, it's not just spelled out in scripture. You got to use your head a little bit for this, but how long did their healing last? Well, it didn't last very long. 
Now, they were healed of leprosy, but uh, let's just assume that they were 30 years old. We we don't know what their age was, but just for for our our little uh, deduction here, let's assume that they were 30 years old. And let's assume that life expectancy in those days for a 30-year-old man would have been 55. And so he's got 25 more years of life. And so how long were these men healed of their leprosy? Probably about 25 years. Because eventually, listen, eventually all nine men died, right? I mean, they're not still walking around. They didn't go to a football game yesterday. None of them are here, right? Any of you, one of the nine that that, that were healed by Jesus on that fateful day? No, all nine of those men died. Now, they didn't die of leprosy, so far as we know. They they, they died of of cancer. They were run over by a chariot. I mean, I, I don't know how they died. But all nine men died. And so in a sense, their healing was only temporary. I mean, they had been given a new lease on life, but that lease ran out a few years later. Maybe they lived another hundred years. I mean, they would have been very unlikely, but even if they would have lived another hundred years, they eventually died. Their healing was temporary. But what about the one man? How long did his healing last? Well, we see from the last thing that Jesus said, verse 19, uh, your faith has saved you. We know that his healing lasted forever. Now, his physical life expired. There there was a death and a funeral some some years later. He's not still walking around on earth just as a really, really old man. But, But we know this. But because of his thankfulness, he was saved. He's alive today. I mean, I mean, I don't know, but maybe God would even give him the opportunity to look down into this worship service today and, and hear us talking about him for a little while. But he is alive today. He is more alive than, than you're alive or that I'm alive. He is, he is celebrating in heaven today because God gave him eternal life. His healing, because he was thankful, was extended forever. Doesn't that make thankfulness pretty important? Nine men weren't thankful. Their healing was made temporary. One man was thankful and his his healing lasted forever. And and so while this one man didn't have... um, the, the same understanding of things that we have. He, he didn't have a, a knowledge of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus because that had not happened yet. Uh, he, he couldn't have explained the theology of the book of Romans. He didn't know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He didn't know about, you know, Adam, uh, the first man brought death, and that, that Jesus is the second Adam, and he brings life. He, 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 couldn't, he didn't know those things. He couldn't have explained those things. But he made the choice when he was healed that the center of his life would not be himself, but it would be Jesus. And he made a beeline back to Jesus to say thank you and to worship Jesus because of the great mercy that he had been shown. Now, in life, there's certainly important theological truths. We are saved because of the work of Christ. He was our substitute upon the cross paid the penalty for our sins. That's what makes salvation uh, possible for us. And and nothing is more important than that. But, but you know, for for many people, uh, especially people who grew up in East Texas and in other places where the gospel is preached often, 
That's not the hang-up. The, the, the hang-up, I, I think, with most lost people is not that they disagree with the substitutionary atonement. It's, it's not that they, they, they disagree that Jesus died for their sins. But, but the problem, I think, that keeps people from Jesus is that they're not willing to make the choice that this man made to make Jesus the center of their lives. That their whole focus would be on the beauty and the glory and the power and the might and the love of Jesus. See, we, 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 we are unwilling to wrap our lives around Jesus. We wrap our lives around our own interests and, and our own desires. And, and we just are not thankful people. It was because of this man's thankfulness that his healing lasts to this day. In contrast to the lack of thankfulness of these other nine who had had an encounter with Jesus but whose lives still revolved around themselves and men who lost their lives because their healing was only temporary. Thankfulness is the most important thing uh, that we can do. It is the most important thing. It is, it is, that is why I call it a wonder drug. It can make such a difference in your life. And I'm going to explain some of those differences specifically in a moment, but it all comes down to this. Are we thankful? Now, uh, l l let's then look at some of the principles that we can learn from Luke chapter 17, this, uh, this historical account that we have read. And uh, let, let's, let's learn why thankfulness is much more than we think it is and why we probably aren't really very thankful. Number one, principle number one is this. Thankfulness is only thankfulness when it is expressed. Thankfulness is only thankfulness when it is expressed. Now, I, I want to quiz you here. Uh, we read this uh, historical account together, and so you know what happened. So answer this question. There were 10 men, all 10 had leprosy, all 10 were healed of leprosy. So how many of those 10 men were thankful that God had, through Jesus, healed them of leprosy? Now, don't, don't answer out loud, but just, I, I want you to think in your heart. I mean, really, you know, use your noggin on this. How many of those 10 men were thankful that they had been healed of leprosy? Well, I think the answer is pretty obvious. There were, there were 10 men. They were all going to die. They all led, led miserable lives. They were all healed. 10 men were thankful that God had done this through Jesus. But Jesus disagrees. I mean, if you read closely and you look at the questions that Jesus asked of the one man who returned, uh, you can see that Jesus disagrees with my answer. Jesus doesn't believe that 10 were thankful. Jesus just believes that one was thankful. So who's right, me or Jesus? <laughs> well, you know, that's a tough question because you thought there were 10 thankful men as well, Right? And, and, you know, if we could have interviewed these, these men, if we, could have, if we could have stuck a microphone in their face as they, as they walked away from their encounter and, and we could have said, we're eyewitness news, are you thankful that you've been healed of leprosy? What do you think they would have said? All 10 men would have said, listen, I'm right. Jesus is wrong about this because all 10 men would have said they were thankful for what had happened. None of them went home and said, listen, I had, I had a perfectly good case of leprosy and Jesus messed everything up. Nobody was saying that. So who's right? Me and you or Jesus? Well, now here's, here's the answer. The issue is 
that I define thankfulness and you define thankfulness by what's in our hearts. Jesus defines thankfulness by what comes out of our mouths. Thankfulness is not thankfulness unless it is expressed. When I said a moment ago that most of us are not thankful, I, I know you were thinking, well, I am. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what that pastor is saying, but, but I'm thankful. Well, you're thankful in your heart. But according to Jesus and his definition, it is not thankfulness unless it comes out of your mouth, unless it is expressed, unless it is expressed, it's not thankfulness. You see this played out just in, in all kinds of ways. Uh, the most um, frustrating yet sometimes comical way uh, I see in, in some marriage counseling appointments. And, and I'll just give you, a, if you've never done any marriage counseling, I'll just sort of give you a, a peek behind the curtain. And so here's how it goes more times than, than you would imagine. There's, there's, there's um, the husband and the wife and you start the counseling appointment by saying, well, tell me what's going on. And uh, the husband looks at the wife. He doesn't, he doesn't want to talk. He doesn't even know why they're here. <laughs> so eventually the wife says, well, I'll, I'll tell you what's wrong. My husband's not thankful for anything I do. And then she'll start to go down this list of all the things she does for him and for the family. I do this and I do that and I pick up this and I provide that and I work this and I, and she's going through all this list of stuff and she just goes on and on and on. I do all of these things. He's not thankful. He's not thankful at all. I do all of this for him. For years I've been sacrificing for him and for the family. He's, he's not thankful at all. And I'm thinking, or I used to think, um, you know, what, what kind of jerk have you married? <laughs> I mean, that is awful. And so she finishes with her list. And then I, I turn to him and I say, is, is that true? Now, you know what he says. You've not been there, but you know what he says, right? He says, of course, that's not true. I am thankful for all of those things. I, I, I'm thankful for, for everything she does for me. I, I'm thankful for even more things than she's mentioned. She I, mean, I, she, I, I have a wonderful wife. She is, she's a great mom. She, 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 I am so thankful that she's, she's in our household and I'm married to her. And, and, and he just says, she's got this, I don't know why she would think that. Of course I'm thankful. Now you tell me, you, you be the counselor, you, you diagnose the problem. What's the problem? I mean, they, they've obviously, they live in the same house, but they have two completely different views of what's going on in the house. So what's really going on? Her definition of thankfulness is what is expressed. His definition of thankfulness is what's in his heart. Jesus says that she's right. Man, this is just a little pointer, okay? This one's, this is free. <laughs> If you don't say it, she doesn't think you're thankful. In fact, if you don't say it, you're not thankful by the definition of our Lord. Because thankfulness is not thankfulness unless it is expressed. You ever given somebody a, a gift? I mean, a substantial gift. You, maybe it was somebody's graduation and, and you gave them $100. You sent it to them in the mail. A $100 graduation gift. And, and you never got a card. You never got a thank you. You saw them two weeks later. They didn't say anything. They, they, they didn't, they never replied. Now, what are you thinking? 
that, that person is not thankful at all for the $100 gift I gave them. Now, why do you think they're not thankful? Because they didn't express it to you. Because the way we judge other people's thankfulness is by what they say or what they express. The way we judge our thankfulness is by what's in our heart. But Jesus teaches us here that thankfulness is not thankfulness unless you say it, unless you express it. These nine men that Jesus called unthankful, I mean, in their hearts, they were thankful. They were, of course, glad that they had been healed of leprosy. It was exactly what they wanted. But Jesus called them unthankful because they didn't express it. You know, one of the reasons why uh, we have an Andre Simone here to come and lead us in worship, one of the reasons why he works so hard, this choir behind me rehearses and works so hard, is to help us on Sunday come and express our thanksgiving to God. You know, that, that's important. I, I know I had a deacon at a church I served in several years ago, and in fact, he was our chairman of deacons, and he said, you know, I just wish we would quit all this singing, and let's just spend more time preaching. And, and I think he meant it as, uh, you know, an encouragement, but, but he missed the point. If, if we're not expressing our thanksgiving, then we are not thankful. We are not thankful. Now, the second principle, and we'll tie these together in a moment. The second principle is this. Thankfulness begins with a conscience, conscious choice. Thankfulness begins with a conscious choice. Thankfulness is not something that just happens to people who are lucky in life. Thankfulness is a choice. Uh, why did one former leper return and the other nine not you know why? Why did this one return and the other one, the other nine not return? Because this one made a choice. He made a choice to return. It's just that simple. Thankfulness is not a feeling. It's not something that happens to you. Thankfulness is a choice. That's why we, we looked at the verse that we began with. First Thessalonians 5.18, which says, give thanks in everything. He tells us it is a choice. Anytime the Bible commands us to do something, it it tells us that it's a choice. Now, some people are thinking, Pastor, you don't know how hard my life is. There are people here thinking that. There are people watching this on television who are thinking, Pastor, uh, you have no idea how hard my life is. Well, I probably don't. But I know this. You can still choose to focus on the horrible, terrible parts of your life, or you can choose to focus on the blessings and the provision of God. Everybody makes a choice. Now you might be thinking, uh, well, Lep had it easy. God healed Lep. That's my nickname for him, Lep. God, God healed this man, this one man with leprosy. It's easy for him to be thankful. God didn't heal me. I've got cancer, been fighting it for a year, you might say. God's not healed me. My, my wife had cancer and, and uh, she, 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 she died. God didn't heal her. My, 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 my child was in a car accident and we prayed and prayed and prayed and God let my child die. I mean, it's easy for, 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 this, for this one man healed of leprosy. It, it's a lot harder for me, but well, listen. No, it's not. Has God not done for you more than he did for this one man. I mean, God healed him of leprosy, but let me tell you, God's done a lot more for me 
I mean, I don't know, I may die tomorrow in a, in a, in a car accident. My family might perish, uh, you know, a, a month from now in some tragic event. But God has done more for me already than he ever did for lep, or at least that he had done for this leprous man at the point in which he, he returned to give thanks. God has, God has given me eternal life. God has forgiven me of all of my sins. God has guaranteed for me that I will live forever with him in, in the place that he has prepared for me. The Bible says that, that, that because of the work of Christ, I've been adopted into the family of God. I am a son of the king. Listen, there are plenty of reasons for me to be thankful. And there are plenty of reasons for you to be thankful. It's just, it just comes down to a choice. You can choose to be miserable. There's not a person here can't find some reason to be miserable, but you can also choose to be thankful. This man was separated from the others because of the choice that he made. And we all know people who have made those kinds of incredible choices. I remember several years ago, we had a lady in, um, lady in my church, um, uh, Andre, she was on our, our praise team. We had, a, we had a praise team, and she was uh, sort of the star of our praise team. And, and maybe not the best singer. Maybe she was. And she was a very gifted singer, but she, just, uh, she was just a godly young lady. She was about 25, 26, somewhere in there. Uh, she was recently married. Uh, she was thinking about starting a family. She was a school teacher, elementary school teacher, but she just loved the Lord. And when she would stand and sing, she, she, she led everybody to worship because when you saw her worshiping, you wanted to worship too. Just, just beautiful young lady. Well, one Friday afternoon, I believe, uh, she uh, stopped at a stop sign. I apparently looked both ways but didn't see an oncoming car. She pulled out to turn left and a car hit her in the driver's side right in the door. It killed her instantly. Uh, crushed in the car, took her life. Uh, they called me and uh, we went to uh, minister to her husband best we could. But it was up to me, her pastor, to call her parents. Uh, her parents had just recently retired. Her dad had just recently retired. He was a VP, Fortune 500 company in Atlanta, Georgia, and he had uh, he had moved. He had just moved to our church and was building a house so that he could, uh, he could be close to his daughter. He could have moved anywhere in, a, in the world. He wanted to be close to his daughter. He was looking forward to grandkids. And I had to call him and tell him that she was dead. And so uh, he was traveling. He was out of the area, uh, he and his wife. And so I got him on his cell phone. And I mean, there's no easy way to do that. There's no you know, words to soften the blow. You, you know, you've ever had to do that before, but you just have to say it. Um, and so I said it, and there was a pause, a long pause. And then he spoke. And he said, and I don't remember the exact number, but he said, Pastor, I am so thankful for the 26 years that God gave us with our daughter. And I'm telling you, I, I called him to minister to him, but I was blown away with the choice that he made. You see, if you're going to be thankful, it's not about waiting around until life is sweet. It's, it's not about something 
good it's going to happen to you one day and then you're going to have a thankful heart. No, you'll be thankful whenever you want to be thankful, whenever you choose to be thankful. Some of the most joy-filled people I know, some of the most thankful people I know have been through some of the hardest times and vice versa, right? I know some people whose lives have been blessed but are miserable and bitter and angry. We must make a choice to be thankful. The third principle I I want to show you here is that nothing pays greater dividends in life than thankfulness. Nothing pays greater dividends. If you're going to be good at one thing, be good at thankfulness because it pays the greatest of dividends. Now, it's obvious here in in, in this account uh, what the dividend was. I want to read it to you again. Verse 17 of Luke 17, then Jesus said, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up, go on your way for your faith has saved you. We're not saved because we say we're thankful. But but, but I I think one one of the clearest indicators in a person's life that he is a child of God is that he is thankful in all things. You show me a person who is angry and miserable and bitter, I'll show you a person that doesn't really understand what it means to be saved and to be forgiven and to have the grace and the mercy of God despite all of our sin, despite all of our rebellion, that God still chooses to love us. I mean, if you show me a person angry and bitter in life who can't Find it in his heart to express thanksgiving to God. I'll show you a person for whom there's reason to question the genuineness of his salvation. And so the greatest, the greatest dividend of thankfulness is, is just this, this walk with God. But, but let me share with you a couple of other things. Uh, additional benefits. I told you it's a wonder drug. Uh, the, another benefit. Joy grows in the soil of thankfulness. Joy, that's what we all want, right? Joy, that means happiness that's not connected to circumstances. I mean, everybody's happy when their football team wins. Everybody's happy if they got a million dollars given to them. Those are, that's happiness connected to circumstances. But joy is that you're happy even when the circumstances go south. So joy grows in the soil of thankfulness. You want joy in your life? Be thankful. Can I, can I tell you the seesaw principle? You know what a seesaw is? They have seesaws when you were a kid. You know, seesaws are too dangerous for today's kids. You know that? I mean, seriously, they don't have seesaws anymore. It's what's wrong with kids today. They don't have seesaws. People ask me if I can give them parenting advice. Well, here it is. Go get a seesaw. Teach your kids, uh, you, know, the, you know, how to live to get a seesaw. So let me tell you, that, so, I mean, we, got, we got a few gray hairs here. So you know what a seesaw is. So let me give you the seesaw principle. When one person goes up, the other person goes down. You got it? And when that person goes up, the first person goes down. You can't go, both go up, you can't both go down. Well, in life, your thankfulness in life, when, when, when you, how to best say this, when, when, when you are critical, when, when you are bitter, and when you're angry, When those things go up in your life, your joy will go down. But if you will become more thankful, if you will become, 
If you will express your thanksgiving, then joy will sprout in your life. The quickest way to joy is the path of thanksgiving. Now, let me share with you the second thing. Thankfulness alters our perspective. The more you look for reasons to be ungrateful, the more you'll find them. But the more you look for reasons to be grateful to the Lord, the more you will find those. I don't know if we still sing this song, uh, Andre or not, but uh, uh, when I was in Mississippi, we sang this song about every other week, I think. Count your many blessings. We ever sing that song? That's, that's a, I, don't, I don't know if it's a, musically a good song or not, but I love the words of that song. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your little blessings or count your blessings. See what God hath done. Listen, if you'll do that, if you'll, if you'll look for reasons to be thankful, you will find them and you will find more of them and more of them and more of them. And listen, this isn't just some positive thinking um, uh, a trick. I, I'm telling you, that's how God has wired us up. And, and if, you're, if you choose to be thankful, be thankful in everything, in all circumstances, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, if you will choose to be thankful, then it'll so change your perspective, you'll find more and more and more and more. You'll be thanking God all day long. You, you, you won't be able to stop praying. Everywhere you go, you'll see another reason to be thankful to God. Well, now, I, I'm running out of time. Let me, let me wrap up by telling you quickly, one, two, three, how to jumpstart your Thanksgiving. Uh, we're, we're coming up on uh, Thanksgiving season, and uh, so that's sort of the... Uh, what, what is prompted the timing of this message, but, but, but we need to be thankful all the time. And, and so let me give you some, some quick ways to jumpstart your Thanksgiving because most of us, let's just be honest, we're not thankful. We're not, we think we are, we thought we were an hour ago, but we're not. So let me tell you how to be thankful. Number one, you need to be thankful with your lips. Hebrews 13, 15 says, through him let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that confess his name. We need to tell God we're thankful. You need to get on your knees and say, God, you, you have been so good to me. And you just need to start, start down a list. You need to tell God. Don't just, don't just say, well, I'm thankful in my heart. No, spend some time. Tell God you're thankful. When we come here for worship, you need to sing. You need to sing out. You need to sing praises to God. You think this is just because we don't, can't think of a better way to start the worship service? No, this is so important. We are to honor God with our lips. We need to express our thanksgiving. Now I know, and I'm facing this way when we sing and not that way, and there are a lot of reasons for that. One is because I don't want you to hear me. But, but number two, because, and this is why I couldn't do your job, I couldn't sit up here, because nothing makes me angrier than to see somebody too manly to sing. So I don't even know who I'm talking about, but I know you're out there, so I'm going to talk to you. You're not too manly to sing. Listen, you, you're, not, you're not thankful is the reason why you're not singing. You're not thankful. So, oh, I'm thankful. No, no, you're not. Because, because thankfulness that's unexpressed is not thanksgiving. I guarantee you there's no worse singer in this church than me. I sat over here the other day. We were singing some song, and I didn't know the tune to it. And I couldn't figure it out. 
and uh, there was a children's, I don't know her name, but it was one of our children's interns. And she usually sits over there by Melanie, but for some reason she is sitting over here to my left. And so I'm, I'm facing left as I'm singing, trying to figure out the words. And so I'm, and I'm doing the best I can. And uh, we're about halfway through the song and she just stopped and looked. <laughs> I apologize to her. I mean, right in the middle of the worship service, I, I apologize to her for. It's not about sounding good. It's about there's something in your heart that you've got to put on your lips. And if you're too manly for that, and you're too manly for God. One man returned. I'm going to be that one man. I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing until Andre tells me to quiet down. <laughs> we need to put it to our lips. But you know, th- this isn't just, and, and this is part of the bonus message today. Th- this isn't just to God. Man, you need to say it to your wife. Uh, you need to say it to your kids. You need to say it to your parents. We need to quit thinking that everybody knows we're thankful. No, they don't. If you don't say it, men, if you don't tell your wife you're thankful, ladies, same, if you don't tell your husband that you're thankful for what he does and how he does whatever he does, if you don't tell him you're not thankful, it's not just a communication issue, it's real. Jesus, Jesus' definition says that if you don't express it, you're not. We need to, we need to be thankful with our lips. Letter B, we need to be thankful with a list, with a list, uh, so, so this goes back to th- how thankfulness alters our perspective. I want to challenge you in the next week to sit down and start a list of the things you're thankful for. Now, you'll think this is foolish, uh, childish, uh, but a few of you won't, and you'll do it, and you'll be, you'll be so glad you, you did. Just start making a, just take a piece of notebook paper and just start writing down things you're thankful for. So you're expressing it. You're thankful to God that he gave you this, this, and that. You, you, may, get, you may get 15 items down the list and you may start struggling. Well, I ran out of things. But just keep going. Well, start being thankful for the air that you're breathing or for the lights or for the hot water you use this morning. But just keep going. And I'm telling you, it'll click. And, and, and a floodgate will open. And you will, you will not be able to stop writing down things you're thankful for. And that thankfulness will bring such joy to your life. You know, people come to me often and they, they're struggling with depression and there's much we could say about depression that we don't have time to say this morning. But, but, but you know the quickest way, and, and, and you might say, well, this is just temporary, and, and perhaps it is, but you know the quickest way to get joy in your life in the face of depression is just to sit down with a list and in a prayerful attitude begin to write down all the things you're thankful for. Be thankful with a list and then finally just be thankful with your life. Let your life, your whole life be about expressing thanksgiving to God. If we had more time, we could talk about the connection with, with sin. And so most sin, in fact, the root of all sin is just this, is ingratitude. It's, it is, you're not very thankful for what God has provided for you. So you try to get things that he hasn't provided. You, you, you're, not, you're not thankful for the relationships that you have. And so you look for other relationships that are outside of his will. You, you name the sin, I can show you how that sin is connected to, to ingratitude. Let's let our lives, let's live our lives like we are overwhelmed with thankfulness for who God is and what he's done.
Just with your head bowed and eyes closed for a minute. Let me say this to you. You're not near as thankful as you thought you were. And that's serious. That's a serious problem. You know, the commitment that you could make today is I'm going to be thankful. Not in my heart, not in my imagination, but I'm going to express it. To God, to the people around me, I'm going to express it. Now, if you've never come to know Christ as your Savior, if your life just still revolves around you, it needs to start with there. God, I'm, I'm thankful that Jesus has paid the penalty for my sin because that's my only hope and I trust what he's done. Let it start with putting your trust in Jesus because you're thankful. You can step down here in just a moment and, and just talk with me privately and I'd love to help you do that. But if you know Christ as your Savior, I want you to really wrestle with this. You're not thankful unless you're expressing it. Would you make that commitment that you're not going to be the nine who went home with thankfulness in their heart and who shortened the blessing of God in their lives, but you're going to be the one whose thankfulness was on his lips and he saw the blessings of God multiplied through eternity. Father, let us be the one. Let us be thankful on the outside, loudly. Let us be thankful. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.